0: So here's here's where we are. Um, If you are new, normally what we do and what we're gonna be in for a while is the book of Matthew. Um, We, two weeks ago, took a break from Matthew. We talked about Matthew again last week. And then today we're gonna take a break from Matthew. And then honestly, we're gonna be in Matthew all the way up to Easter. The reason we're taking a break from Matthew is twice a year, we do something called the Community Sunday. And I'll do my best to not make this feel uh, laborsome or boring, but the reality is the back half of this is almost gonna kind of feel like a business meeting if I'm being honest. Um, but there's some stuff that we wanna unpack that we feel like is important for us to be able to go through as Pella communities. And so we're gonna talk about what that looks like, and I'm gonna give some really great instructions for us to to be able to go next door after service. But before we do that, uh, let me pray. Uh, We're gonna jump into Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna look at the text. The first half of our time, we're gonna ask this question, what does it look like to belong to the church? And the second half, we're gonna ask, what does it look like to belong to this church specifically, okay? And so that's kind of the heading of where we have big overarching tones. Let me pray and then we'll read Ephesians chapter two. Father, we come to you um, and we ask that you would illuminate the text for us. Um, I do pray for May, she's well now. God, I pray that you'd lift her up uh, still. Um, And even as we now move in time of the word, we're mindful that you are sovereign. And in this situation, uh, in this moment, as we look to you for guidance, we pray that we would set aside biases. We pray, God, that you would um, show us how to see your word clearly, clearly. Um, God, grow us in our faith according to Romans ten seventeen. We pray that we would not hide things from you, but your word would be a discerner of our innermost thoughts, according to Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. Uh, be with us now, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen i 'm going to read it and then i 'm going to um, uh, put a question in front of us, and then i 'm going to read it again. This is what verse nineteen says. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God. If you haven't been with us before, we're gonna do a big Bible study together, verse by verse, and we're gonna break it down. When you read verse 19, I want you to ask yourself a question. Now, here's the context. The context of Ephesians, and all of chapter two in Ephesians, is Paul is dealing with the church at Ephesus. Their issue is that they're Jews, and there are Gentiles coming together. And the Gentiles... Feel like they don't belong the Gentiles are anybody who's not Jewish and they feel like no we don't belong we don't know all the religious jargon we don't know how to act and the Jews are beginning to critique and make us feel like outsiders and so Paul is very much so uh addressing and drilling in on the Jews Say, so let me talk to you for a second now here's the question I want you to ask yourself I need you to go back and ask what was it like when I first became a Christian and I went to church Okay, And I want to read this again because here was my experience. As I got saved in high school, Man, I came in I didn't know that there were certain biblical things. I can't sleep with my girlfriend. I didn't know there were certain cultural things or certain music I couldn't listen to. There's, there's the right words to say. I didn't know there was a culture I needed to, to rally around in a certain way for me to act. And so imagine that moment when you became a believer. There's this culture set within the church and you want to enter into that culture. What did that feel like? And I want to read verse 19 again. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What does it mean to be part of the church? The moment you chose to follow Jesus with all that you are, you you became part of the church, the larger church, way larger than Pella. Somebody who came to faith in 1643, somebody who came to faith in 1928, somebody that came to faith yesterday—you uh, became part of that church. What does it look like? And the first declaration is, you're no longer strangers and aliens. F.F. Bruce, who's a New Testament scholar, he's passed away now, but probably the best New Testament scholar we've had in our generation. This is what he says. He says, the words no longer strangers and aliens, but citizens emphasize the contrast between the rootlessness of life outside of Christ and the stability of being part of God's new society. We no longer live on a passport, but we really have our birth certificate. We really do belong. Here's what I know. Okay, as somebody who, as our family has chosen to engage in adoption, we've adopted a little girl five years ago and we're in the process of adopting two more. I know this, when a new member is added to your household, that family dynamic changes. Now you could know this by working it backwards. Meaning if my oldest son, God forbid, if he ended up dying, the way you understand the Myers family, the way that you understand our dynamic and the way that we interact, that family does not exist anymore. The dynamic of our family, though we have the Myers name, it is true, the way we operate is different now because that member is either in or out and you joining into a church, the dynamic of that environment changes and so the first declaration that Paul wants to make clear is you're not a stranger alien, you're not on the outside. As a matter of fact, um, I think there's two really disrespectful things you could do to somebody. Number one is you could slap another man as a man, you could slap another man in their face. I just feel like that is so disrespectful. Um, the second thing that, that you can do is you can make someone feel unknown, meaning you can ask them a question like, um, like, Do you even know me? Like, do I know you? Like, who are you, right? This idea of making them feel unseen or unknown. This is what the Jews are doing to the Gentiles. And that first declaration there that Paul wants to make so clear, you are no longer strangers and aliens. But, now the inverse, you're not on the outside anymore. Homie, that was you at one point. You chose to follow Jesus. You're not a Christian on an island. You're now welcomed into something. You're no longer a stranger or alien. That feeling of being unknown should not exist anymore. You need to be known now. And this is how you're known. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That word fellow there is so beautiful. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, if you have ever um, desired to know what God has done in your life in the areas of gifts, right? Like, God, how have you gifted me? The four texts that always are good to go to are 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter four, and 1 Peter chapter four. It's where it talks about the gifts, right? The, probably the most emphasis that is put on is in Roman, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is devoted to gifts. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, the same writer of Ephesians, uses this analogy of a body. And in him using this analogy of the body, he uses what are called um, declarations in the negative. Okay. And I want you to hear it. I'm not going to read all of chapter 12, just verses 14, 15, 16, and then 21. Just four verses. Listen to what he says. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Skip to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. Listen to the declarations of the negative. Paul's addressing something. Here's the things that he's addressing. Gentiles feel like I have nothing to offer. The Jews feel like, I don't need anything. And he, he combats both those ideas. You now being part of the family of God, you have to understand that those negatives, in the de- this, this uh, negative declarations, they don't exist anymore. Meaning, listen, you're now part of a body and you are to provide in giving and you are also to receive. You are not so pompous to think you know everything. This is what the Jews are doing. We know the story. We're the people of God. We don't need to receive. And man, have I seen that in the church. But I've also seen the inverse. People come to faith. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What can I offer? Neither of those things should be the case. As you enter into the body of Christ, you are to both give and receive. You have something to offer and you need something from someone else. That's the way that Paul lays this out. And so going back, if you can go back to Ephesians chapter two, when you see you are a fellow citizens and uh, fellow citizens with the saints, you were sinners. Now you're called saints because of the blood of Jesus and members of the household of God. This is, where it's brilliant. Some of you guys know, maybe most of you guys know, I really hate my dog. Um, And uh, his name's Bruno, he's a boxer, and he's hyper because he's a boxer, and he he poops, and he has hair, and he exists, and it just is so annoying. And so he's just there, right? Now, um, I was rebuked after, or during the first service in there, yes, he's God's creature, I get it, but he's on the bottom of the totem pole, okay? He is a product of the fall, and so, But here's the issue, though. I am one of six members in my household. And the problem is, the other five members of my household don't follow Jesus, and they love Bruno, okay? And so I I deal with this this, uh, understanding that even though I don't want the dog, I don't want a dog. I don't want to share my living space with an animal. How is that normal, you guys? Okay, so here's this dog. He exists, but he exists because, listen, I am one member in this family. And here's what I know, being part of a family, you don't always get what you want. And what's clear that Paul is laying out for Jews and Gentiles is you've got to understand some of you enter into the space that as you ate dinner, um, it was polite, it was cordial, and it was quiet. If you interrupted someone, it was rude. Some of you grew up in a a family environment. You sat in front of the TVs and you didn't even talk. Some of you grew up in an environment where you did sit at the table, but interrupting someone was a sign of engagement. Some of you grew up really poor and had to have a lunch card. Some of you grew up with parents who uh, said that the government handout shouldn't take place that anymore, uh, that, that way anymore. Some of you grew up in an environment where police took parents from your home, uh, yeah, took you from your parents. And others of you, honestly, police are your parents. And yet, God is calling you, regardless of whether you want the dog or not, to enter into this space as members of the same household. Wherever your bent is in the Republican Party, whatever your bent is with progressive theology or Democrats' uh, agendas or whatever it is, however you want to articulate this, wherever you are, hear me, God is saying, come together. And you are a household together. And you don't always get what you want, but this is the household. So hear me, you don't have a choice in this. You do not get to be a Christian on an island. If you are a believer, the moment you became a believer, you need to be part of the church. And this is good for you. This is good for us. Every single week that goes by in community or on Sunday, there are things constantly that take place that I go, I wouldn't do it that way. I don't like that, but I'm part of this body. And here we are. I see it. I see it in our social media feeds. And I go, why is that person posting that? I wouldn't say that. That's foolish to say, but we're in this together. This is what we have. And the language here is you're members of the household of God. And this is contextually what's going on with the Jews and Gentiles. I mean, think for a second how many laws the Jews have when it comes to kosher eating. There's certain things they can and can't eat. The Gentiles don't care about that crap. So they come to community together. They gather in a living room together and the Gentiles are eating whatever they want. Paul literally has to write 1 Corinthians chapter 8 because of this. I mean, you, you got Jews who um, know the story of God and you got Gentiles who know how to pickpocket and they're coming together. And God in this moment is bringing a family. Now he's not done. Listen to the ongoing declaration at the end of 19. It ends with a comma because he's continuing on in verse 20. What does it mean to be part of the church? Well, this is how you can know this to be the case. Uh, no longer strangers and aliens, fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. Here it is, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. This is, this is legit. Because now we're reminded suddenly you are not entering into a space that um, was created by that space. Meaning nobody thought up the church. The church was not any of our ideas, but Jesus's. And so Jesus lays a foundation of the apostles and prophets, and we're all the adopted sons and daughters that enter into the family, all of us. All of us enter into that space. We were all strangers and aliens, and now suddenly God is doing something. What exactly he's doing is brilliant, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We talked about the plumb line in Amos, how this is how you, uh, you hang a piece, uh, a rope, and a, uh, something that's weighty at the bottom, so you know exactly how to level a wall. Well, the same idea is with the cornerstone. You have a cornerstone of a brick, and that's how you base your foundation or going up that wall, the same idea. Jesus Christ is that cornerstone, which is a good reminder, right? Because we don't have Mecca. Uh, we don't have Dome of the Rock. We don't have a Wailing Wall. We don't have Salt Lake City. We have an empty tomb, and we have each other. That's what we have. That's all we have. And so hear, hear this. That wasn't meant to be a joke. I'm just being straight up, okay? Um, <laughs> verse 21, Listen. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure, he's not done, another comma, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, I know there are moments when I kind of explain the Greek and I'm always hesitant to do that because I don't want to like throw out stuff and make it more confusing. But you don't need to know Greek to see what just happened in verse 20 and 21. Here's, Here's what I mean. I've shared this with you before. In English, the way that we talk about things is always in time, okay? We always declare something as a past tense, as a present tense, or a future tense. Now, what you may not be aware of, that's not how all languages think of things, okay? As a matter of fact, in Greek, there are not three tenses. There are seven tenses. And in those tenses, it's not about time, but it's about motion. It's what's called axian sart. And motion matters in the Greek language. Something has happened. So you throw a rock in a pond. That didn't just happen. There are now residual effects. There are ripples in the water because of that. And Greek wants to unearth that. Now you can see this. You don't need to know Greek. You can see this. Look at verse 20 and then look at 21 and 22. Verse 20 reads as set. Can you see that? It's what's called the aorist tense in Greek. It's done. It reads almost as if it's like firmed up. A foundation, it's done. But you can read 21 and 22, notice how it's not set. And the reason is because Greek in that moment switches to what's called the present tense. It's not the same as the English present tense. It switches to something that is now. So when you read this, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, that's happening right now. That person that we talked about that came to faith in the 1600s, And then again, in 1921, somebody else came to faith and somebody else came to faith yesterday. The house is still being built. More appropriately, the language that's used here is the whole structure. And this is a great reminder again that a brick by itself is not a structure. I know you think you can do this on your own. I know the American mentality is to figure it out. You're your own person. Yeah, right, I get it. But the reality is a brick is not a structure and God has asked you as a brick this is first peter 2 chapter language, uh, chapter 2 language you as a brick are part of a structure and that structure listen to it this is so beautiful the whole structure being joined together grows that on that movement language grows into a holy temple in the lord and then suddenly like hopefully light bulbs go off here that structure that God is building houses the holy spirit the church The church builds this structure that houses the Holy Spirit. Don't hear me saying that's only where the Holy Spirit is. My point is, you trying to do it off in an island, you miss all the benefits of the saints before you. You miss the fact that you can sit in a room right now thinking you're so great, you're doing what you want with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you're doing what you want with your husband or wife, you're however you want to live, and yet there are believers who are going, actually, that's pretty dumb. You shouldn't do that. And they hold you accountable because the Spirit of God is dwelling in the structure that God is building as his church. This is what he's doing. The foundation of the apostles and prophets, I can go and I can go, Johannes, this is what I see. The apostles said this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the apostles said this. This is calling you out right now. This is what the structure is doing. It's the same in the opposite direction. Some of you find yourself so discouraged because you're not gravitating, being built together in the structure. The Holy Spirit works together. And I've said this a thousand times, but sanctification is a community project. God is using the spirit for us to come together and continue to operate how we're supposed to operate. And that's exactly what verse 22 says. You can hear the word, we get our word synergy from the word be, being joined together. That's one word in Greek. And you could hear it in verse 22. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. We become, that's, I don't, I don't know how, I mean, outside of saying it and making it you know confusing for some, but we become the temple of God. There is no plan B. This is why, I, don't, I wish I can like make it a little softer, but I'll just say it for what it is. You should devote your life to the church. And I don't mean Pella communities. I don't mean just one entity or ministry. You should devote your life to the people of God, being with them, serving them, loving them, walking alongside them. This should be everything before your programs, before sports, before TV, before your degree, before it all. As a matter of fact, to follow Jesus in this way is before your family. To recognize that you are coming together, you and I are coming together, it has nothing, Pella will be forgotten in a year. Forget Pella for a second. You, wherever you go for the rest of your life, as you grow up in a family, you move wherever you, wherever you end up being, you need to be part of a church. You need to be part of a church. This is what's so clear in Ephesians chapter two. Now that should cause us to step back and ask a question. Okay, well, I wanna be part of Pella. Now those of you who would make that declaration, what does it look like then for me to be part of this church? And um, man, I just want to say this like for whatever it's worth. Some of you all treat this place like it's a movie theater and not a gym. You come, you want to be poured into, but you don't serve. You don't, you're not in community. And the reality is that's not the church. Like I'm not up here to give you a song and jig. Brock's not up here to, to lull you to sleep. Well, I'm not, that's a terrible way to say it in worship. He's not up to hype you up in worship, right? Our job isn't to perform every Sunday, Our job is to be a church together. Whether we were 100 people, we're now 500 people. It doesn't matter. We need to find a way to be the church together. And that's not on the elders or the deacons to make that happen. You gotta figure that out with the spirit of God. So whether it's a Pellet community or not, you need to gather regularly in Solomon's portico, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter four, together in our corporate gatherings, but you also need to gather in homes. So let's talk about that for a little bit. What does it look like to belong to this church. Now, this is the business side of things, and I I apologize for it, but it just is what it is. The first thing that I want to do uh, before I lay all this is I want to introduce you to somebody. Kirsten, are you around here at all? Is Kirsten at all? No, she she does not like the attention. Okay, there you are. Okay, so this. Come on, come on, Kirsten, you love the attention. Okay, this is Kirsten, our church admin. Okay, uh, can we throw up her email? Here's why I want you to see Kirsten. Okay, if there's anything that you um hear me declare over the next 15, 20 minutes, Kirsten's gonna be the person you talk to. Now, here's why I say this. I've been on church websites before and I've seen the info at whateverchurch.com. Nobody ever checks that email, right? This is Kirsten's email, okay? She will get back to you in 30 seconds, right? Thanks. 30 seconds. No, she will get back to you, right? So Kirsten is uh, the go-to. So whatever questions you have, I need you to embed in your mind. Hey, I'm part of Pella Communities, great, I need to know info at PellaCommunities.com. Kirsten, whatever questions you have, she'll answer them for you. Kirsten, thank you very much for all that you do. Kirsten, she loves the attention. Okay, with that being said, let me give you three things that you need to be aware of. If you are not part of Pella, I apologize, but this is for those who call Pella their home. Three things that you need to be aware of for us, our community, our leadership, and our needs. Those three things you need to be aware of. In our community, here's what I want you to know. Um, we have always operated with two big things. People have come all the time like, yo, you guys don't do lights or smoke or any of that stuff. It's just real simple. It's like, well, maybe we'll start, right? And some people think it's, we just don't do it because we can't afford it. We really want to do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> the reality is we do two things. We are very simple, right? The way that we want to operate is very, very simple. Um, we operate in a mission model, which you guys have heard me say almost every Sunday if you've been coming here for a while, which means we want to be in low-income areas, press into those areas, and not just in downtown Glendale. Let's call it what it is. Maybe only 10% of, if that, of our congregation actually lives in downtown Glendale. We're commuting into this space because we normally wouldn't find ourselves in a low-income area. We serve this space. But we don't only want to stay here. We hope to plant other missions, to be places of hope physically and spiritually in those places. So that's how we operate. And we only do this in two ways or have done this in two ways up to this point. We gather on Sunday morning and we get together at home. Solomon's Portico and gathering home to home. That's all we do. So we gather on Sunday mornings in our corporate gathering because we want to take communion together. We want to sing together. We want to sit under the authority of the word together. We gather in homes because we want to study together. We want to hold each other accountable. We want to eat together. All those things matter. Again, if you're not in a community, you need to get your butt in a community, okay? Now that's what we've done thus far. Now I'll come back to that in a second. We're going to add something to that. We went to our elders retreat at the end of last year and we felt um, a little confined about how we do this. You know, we're meeting in this submarine comedy lounge. We're hoping to get in this building as soon as possible. Like, honestly, we come in and you guys are gonna have to exit this way. You don't know who came to the first service or third service. We don't get to know each other. Even those of you who are in community, there's not a lot of cross-pollination. So we said, what if we budget out and figure out a way for different areas that we can press into? So what we're gonna do and what has been going on and we're officially announcing it to you is number one, we have a men's ministry. On the second Saturday of every month from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., we're gonna gather in here as men. There's uh, food, there's studying, accountability. There's gonna be a curriculum that started. So that's for men's ministry. If you're a man and you wanna be able to do that, great. The other one is the women's ministry, right? So I know, okay, whoa, okay, easy, easy. (laughs) Easy. That was Josh who got excited. Josh, what are you so excited about? Okay. Uh, So there's women's ministry. There's women's ministry. Women's ministry meets on the third Saturday of every month, 830 to 10. Um, I wish I can tell you definitively what they're doing, but I've never been, so I couldn't tell you. But Um, they've already met once, and they gather together, they eat together, Um, I know there's some time in the word, I don't know all the details, but I know there's mentoring going on and all that stuff, so um, you'll be able to see that, and I'll talk, tell you how you can get plugged into that, the third thing that we're starting is a college uh, group, we're calling it the Pella College Monthly, we recognize that uh, we have a lot of college students, right, which is great, Um, so what we said is, um, once a month, we're going to get together, we're going to gather either in this room or the room, Uh, or the mission. And it's going to be on Wednesday, the third Wednesday of every month from 6.30 to 8.30. We're going to have time of worship, time in the word to talk about some things, whether it be dating, sex, marriage, uh, who is the Holy Spirit, what does your vocation look like? We're going to talk about those kind of things as we do some dives into that. And then we'll have some breakout times. And then the last ministry, some of you are aware of, but maybe uh, not everybody, uh, the members agreed to bring on Mason Landis and Emily uh, Landis to oversee our youth ministry. So the youth ministry meets on the second and fourth Wednesday in here. If you're a teenager in here, um, I would highly encourage you to look into that. Again, you can just email Pella at info or, nope, info at pellacommunities.com. So those are just for you to be aware of. Now, I'm not done. I'm almost done with the first section. We got a lot in this business meeting to cover. You might go, all those things are lame. I want nothing to do with them. Fine. Okay. Fine. Maybe you're sitting there going, why don't we have something for the 60 plus year olds or whatever? I have great news for you. Here's what we're also, we also decided at our elder retreat. A way for us to cross-pollinate, honestly, we are not gonna be a big-budget church. That's just not gonna be us. That's not our style. That's not who we are. So we are absolutely reliant on homegrown grassroots ministry. And so the best we can do as a church is to provide a trellis for any of you in this room that goes, well, I'd like to do something. And so what you're gonna see I'll explain it uh, more how you'll get there after service, but there's gonna be a board by the Connect Desk every week, and right now it's super sparse. There's only three things on it. It's gonna be like a laundromat, coffee shop board, a grungy kind of Pella feel uh, board to it. And here's what we're gonna say. If you wanna start anything, if you wanna start a 60-plus-year-old Bible study, if you wanna start a spike ball group, I don't care what it is. You wanna get together, uh, and and right now there's three things up there. Um, There's a a group that's gonna uh, run the Grand Canyon Rim to Rim in May. There's a women's workout group, and um, there's is a uh, a GCU breakfast, for those of you at GCU. So there's these things that you can see, uh, all that stuff. But there's a million other things that we could do. I'm telling you right this, I'm not gonna come up with these ideas. This is gonna have to be you. So if you wanna start something and say, hey, I feel like we can get a bunch of guys out and go shooting, that's great. We'll listen to country music, okay? Um, You could do whatever you want, but you need to email Kirsten, okay? You need to email Kirsten. You'll put a little piece of paper on the board and you'll see what ministries are going. So we're hoping that board continues to grow with stuff. A second service. Let's just keep going. Um, all right. That is what's going on within our community. You also need to know what's going on within our leadership. Okay? Here's what's going on within our leadership. Uh, most weeks I get up and I say Pella Communities is elder governed, pastoral led, and member regulated. Um, Well, the way that operates is elders are the ultimate authority for us as a church. Uh, The elders are my boss as the the lead pastor. And so what we do is we operate with that authority, but we have deacons who um, end up working out all the the community groups that I talked about we need to be part of. We have deacons and we have elders. Well, um, at the beginning of December, no, the beginning of November, we put in front of our members because we're member regulated. Everything has to go through our members in this way. Um, we put in front of the, the members two deacons and one elder as elders we wanted to nominate. And so we nominated them. And so I want to introduce you to them because we voted as members and then they were um, approved. And so this morning we're going to install. So first, I want to introduce you, you guys and give it up for Brock and Maggie as deacons. Yes, come out here. You're good. So I know a lot of you guys know Brock, who leads worship. This is his wonderful wife, Maggie fur coat and all, um, making a statement, make, yeah. um, so, so Brock and Maggie were approved to be deacons for our church, which means up to this point, they've been leading a community, you actually can't join their community, because it's too full, but, um, they've been leading a community as, uh, interim, uh, community Sorry. leaders, no, they're muted until we say otherwise, um, okay, so, so they're, <laughs> yeah, dang it, um, So we're going to pray for them, but before we do, just so everybody knows, because they are leaders in our church as community leaders, uh, Brock, Maggie, tell us a little bit, maybe where you guys were born, how you came to faith, um, and maybe even like why you wanted to be deacons, why you guys wanted to lead a community. Yeah, um, so I grew up in Texas. I got saved. Uh, The Lord saved me going into the senior year of high school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Just knew I wanted to learn, and I want to do a life of ministry. Um, so I actually went to GCU, came out here, didn't know anybody. Hey, you won Mr. GCU one so, day. Okay, you did. You did. You are GCU. I think uh, I'm going to just take <laughs> back my... Nomination? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I love Pella. I'm, I'm passionate about it. Right now I work at Phoenix Rescue Mission. Um, and so if anybody is looking to get involved in... Uh, volunteering with the food bank or the homeless or anything like that, feel free to reach out. We have a lot of volunteer opportunities, but um, I think their mission and the mission of Pella kind of coincide a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of people within society that are looked down upon um, unjustly and that just aren't provided for. And so I love being able to be a church that, even as you talked about that, we're just imperfect people who are coming together to worship God and then go out into the world. Yeah. Um, I'm Maggie. I was born and raised here in Phoenix. Went to the same high school as Sean. Shadow Go, Matadors. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went to GC. That's where Brock and I met. I majored in biology. I'm a personal trainer now. Um, I love being a part of Pella because it's an authentic church that's just super legit and real and doing it all and there's no games and a lot, of, a lot of pressure. Yeah. 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 And yeah. <laughs> Preaching is unbelievable. <laughs> well, sure. Never messes up. Never stutters. Stop. Go. Wow. Excellent. If I can have the elders that are back there, I think uh, Tim is out of town and Lance is um, uh, sick this morning. So I'm going to have Al, maybe just Al and Brandon. Oh, yeah, there you are, P. Um, Al and Brandon, we're going to pray for them as deacons uh, as they're being installed today. So, uh, Al, would you mind praying for them this service? Thank you so much for this time gather together as family and as we lift these guys up as deacons within this church that you would just continue to pour into them and that they would continue to seek after you in your word in your wisdom in your knowledge as they lead others within this this body lord we just thank you so much for them in jesus name amen. amen amen let's give it up one more time for brock and maggie thanks guys So Brock and Maggie weren't the only ones that went before our congregation to be nominated. We also had an elder nomination, and those of you who are members are aware of this. So I'm going to ask... Richard Claus, if he would come up. Uh, Richard was nominated as an elder and then voted on by the members and uh, was approved. And so today we are going to install Richard as an elder. Uh, the elders currently are myself, Brandon, Al, Lance, and Tim, and uh, uh, Richard will be our sixth uh, elder. So, Richard, if you want to share maybe a little bit of how you came to faith and yeah. um, why you d- your desire to be an elder is there and all that. Yeah, I came to faith when I was five years old in VBS, so I've known Jesus a long yeah. time. I uh, uh, love being raised in the midst of the church, but a great privilege, and so I love the church. Been involved in church leadership uh, along the way there, ever since you know high school. Got put involved in different aspects. So I love Jesus' church. I love His people. Um, what was your other question? You so what do you do now? And oh, what do I do? Okay. Yeah, right now I'm, I'm involved <laughs> in the ministry. Right now I'm up here. <laughs> uh, I'm involved in a ministry called Ratio Christi, means the reason of Christ. It's an apologetics ministry about defending the faith but on college campuses. So I work on Glenda Community College. I'm also an adjunct professor there, as they need me to teach philosophy. So that's where my ministry is located right now, but I'm looking forward to and We also do a community group, which we'll see in a few minute, moments as well, but yeah. that's what we're doing. Tells right. your family to your wife. Oh yeah, kids. my wife, uh, Cammie. She's going to be here this, this morning because she was not feeling well. My daughter, Esther, is here in the back, and my two sons, uh, Thaddeus and Malachi, uh, they serve at the Times and Security Yeah, excellent. If I can have the elders come back up. We're going to, this is our official uh, installation uh, of Richard. And actually, I'm going to keep, have you hold this. There is a call and response for us that we have as elders um, that I'm going to put in front of Richard. I'm going to read to him. I'm first going to say uh, to him, and then I'm also going to call to you. This is something really important. It's, I don't know how often we'll install elders, but it is a big deal. Richard is joining the elder table, and we believe theologically and biblically elders are the ultimate authority of the church. And so him entering into the elder board um, brings not just spiritual dynamics to it, but also uh, a weight that we know Richard has thought through heavily. And so, uh, Richard, first I speak to you. Uh, Elders are set apart for a ministry of watchful and responsible care for the welfare and the order of the church. They have oversight of all members, including one another, the deacons, and the ministries equipping everyone to live in harmony with God's word. They ensure the word of God is rightly proclaimed and taught and the sacraments rightly administered. Elders assist the ministries with their good counsel and serve all Christians with advice, consolation, and encouragement. Do you believe God has called you to this task for Pella Communities? If so, say, I do. I do. Elders and deacons together with the ministry form the body to lead God's people in proclaiming good news to the poor, righteousness to the nations, and peace among all. You as an elder of this body provide for the welfare of the church, stewardship of property and finance, and the spiritual benefit and the growth for all of Christ's people. Do you take on this task joyfully? If so, say, I do. I do. Now to us as a congregation, I would read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, that says, Obey your, uh, your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have, who have to give an account for you. Let them do so with joy, and not uh, with groaning, for that would be no of advantage to you. Pray for us, for we assure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Church, do you commit to obeying elders of your church to which Richard is now one? If so, say we do. Do you understand that he will give an account for your soul? If so, say we do. Do you commit to work with him and not against him as long as he's within biblical bounds? If so, say we do. Do you commit to pray for him and his family? If so, say we do. Let's pray for Richard as we install him. Brennan, you want to, or I'll pray for this one. I got my own mic. Father, we lift up Richard to you right now. And... um, We pray first and foremost that you would be glorified in his life. We pray for his time in devotion, the word and prayer that it would be unbelievably steady. We pray, God, that you would protect him and his family, that you'd be over him and Cammie as they continue to um, desire desperately to follow you. As he stands before us today, we we truly believe that we're just um, submitting to what you are doing as you desire for him to be an elder over us as a church. And so we submit to you in that and therefore, As he follows you, we want to follow him. Be with us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up one more time for Richard, who is now an elder? (laughs) Please put it on there. So that is what's going on with our leadership. And to finish our time, my last five minutes for us, again, and I promise I'm done, it is important for you to be aware of our needs, okay? And this is where we'll finish. Um, You know, the reality is, I said this up front, some of you just are not engaging and not participating, forget Pella. Whatever church you're a part of, you should serve, first and foremost, the household of God, the household of God, the household of God. And what does it look like for you to serve alongside Pella? That's the first thing I wanna make you aware of within our needs. So a few things that you you, uh, you could be aware of. If you go on our website, pellacommunities.com, you'll see a little drop down for serving. Um, you could join the City Reach team, which is a, a committee that's being formed right now. So as we go into the mission, they'll be responsible for uh, what it looks like for us to serve the community around us. You can join the cleaning crew. If you're like, listen, I can get here early and clean. You could join seven up or tear down, you can stand outside and greet people as they come in, We're, um, and I'm not just saying these are general, I've asked all the leaders of this, people have said, oh, I'll serve, and they stop serving, so these are needs, There's, I'm, not, I'm mentioning things that we actually need in the church, greeting, uh, people to help connect, everyone who wants to connect uh, at the connect table, hospitality, so what does it look like to set up communion, uh, what does it look like to serve coffee, those of you who love coffee or food or pick up donuts, all that's very real, um, I don't know what to say, it's not sexy, it just is what it is, um, the security team, the worship team, those of you who are gifted in that way, you can do that. Uh, The media team, I know it sounds crazy, but everyone can click a button, right? So you can serve once a month uh, in in joining the media team and doing that. Or if you have some kind of experience in that, that would be helpful. We have an arts team. So Ren uh, Martin oversees our art uh, team. So if you have any gifts set, we really wanna engage the downtown Glendale area uh, in the arts as they move forward in that. And then this is a really important one. If you own a house somewhere along the I-17, within a mile of the I-17, hear this as the voice of the Lord. God is calling you to open your house to be a host to a community, okay? Um, We need hosts to be able to host right now along that I-17 corridor. So if you are um, in that spot, that would be great. The second thing that we want you to be aware of is our needs, and this is the numbers, and then I'm done, whoo, we did it, okay? The beginning of December, we put in front of you how much it's going to cost for us to finally be in that building. Um, as we looked at it, and you can get a better picture here soon, I'll give you directions for that, uh, we said we want to set out for something called our 5811 campaign. That's the uh, address two doors down. and We wanted to raise $100,000 in December, and that the reason we want to raise that $100,000 in December is the total build-out for that building is $550,000, which... It is way more than I've got. So $550,000, but we had $200,000 in the bank. So we only needed to raise $350,000, which is very doable for us, right? So in December we said let's raise $100,000 so as we start the new year, we'll only have to raise $200,000. Well, unfortunately, we only raised 250 or nope, that would be awesome. We only raised $56,000 in December, which means currently Now I feel like all my numbers are mixed up. Uh, We need to raise $300,000, okay? So here's what I want you to know as far as the business, and there's no way to get around it. Many of you know how uncomfortable I am talking about money, but it is what it is. Right now, the owner of that building that we bought the building from is carrying the loan, meaning we didn't go to a bank and say, hey, um, can we borrow money to buy this building? He said, I'll be your bank. Essentially, that's what he's doing. He's carrying the loan at his own interest rate that he gave us. He is an amazing guy, super nice guy, but we need to get our own loan from a bank. We go to a bank and we say, hey, we'd like to get a loan from you to help build this out and we'd like to transfer our mortgage over to you. They go, well, you don't have any money. We go, that's why we're asking for a loan. And they go, how do we know you're gonna pay us back? And we go, because our church will pay you back. We trust in our church. But they want something more than just us telling them the church is gonna pay you back. And so um, what we're doing over the course of the next six months is we're going to have these pledge cards there's pledge cards up front here in the back and in the building next door the bank wants to know and it's helpful for us to navigate over the next six months can All 500 of us, I don't care if you're on student loans, you can figure this out, something over the next six months for us to navigate what it looks like to raise $300,000. In six months for a church of 500 people, this is very doable. As long as we do our part, we can do this together. And so we're gonna ask everyone to come alongside, at least everyone who is part of Pella to fill out one of these pledge cards. You can drop it in there and that's what we're gonna use as we kind of go before the bank. That's all I got for you, okay? But here's the way that you can respond practically. I'm gonna pray, we're gonna worship, we're gonna do our doxology, benediction, and then I'm gonna ask you to to go out these doors, and here's why. As you go out these doors, you're gonna go out these doors and you can go two doors down, and we're gonna ask you to walk back through the mission. Now, we've done this before. We did this at this time last year. The mission is wide open right now. That's where the coffee and donuts are. Some of you were looking. Coffee and donuts are in the coffee area. As you walk in, um, you'll walk into what will be the coffee area. From that wall, you're going to walk into what is our gathering space that we hope the city or whoever wants to use that space throughout the week. Then you're going to walk into where the children's are and where we'll do a homeless ministry in the back. As you walk in, you're gonna see tables lining the walls, okay? I need to remind you, it is still a construction zone, okay? So you got kids, don't let them wander. uh, You just don't wander. Just stay within the the bounds of where you're supposed to be. So you're gonna see on one side to your right are all the ministries that I brought up. Set up, tear down media. You can ask them whatever question you want. To your left is to join a community, okay? So that's the practical way that I'm I'm gonna put in front of you. With that being said, let me uh, pray, and I don't know any other way to turn the corner, but outside of quoting Spurgeon, it's one of my favorite Sp- uh, quotes uh, from Spurgeon. Uh, and this is probably the most used quote from Spurgeon on the church, but it's still beautiful. Listen to what Spurgeon has to say, and then I'll pray. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been perfect, the perfect church until or after I had become a member of it. Now listen to this last line, it's beautiful. still. And perfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. I pray that's true. Let's pray. Father, I pray that um, every person in here would fall in love with your bride. I pray that we would desire to be around her. I pray that we would want to raise families uh, with each other, that you would um, have our kids grow up with one another, that you would um, grow us in the faith in living rooms and on Sunday mornings that... Um, We would recognize that you have put in front of us as a a foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus, you being the chief cornerstone that we now are growing into a living, active structure. And that is so amazing. I pray that um, whatever lies are being told, that we can be individual bricks, that I pray that you would stop that garbage and that we would join in to gather with believers together. May we see this place as the dearest place on earth. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.